Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Small businesses are an important part of any town or city. They shape the character of local communities. They also spur reinvestment back into the community, which strengthens local and regional economies. So how do local communities generate interest from out of state or out of the country? Today, where we live, we explore a grassroots effort to attract international businesses to expand here in Connecticut. We'll also ask state officials what investments has Connecticut made in attracting small businesses to the state and what has been the return. Later, we'll check in on a local competition that awards capital to promising early stage companies. Are you a small business owner? What's your take on how to make Connecticut more business friendly? Or are you a taxpayer that wants to know more about how the state is investing your money to turn our sluggish economy around? We want to hear from you. Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. First, I want to welcome to the studio with me Attorney Brad Monshine, partner at Pullman and Comley, and one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative. Brad, welcome to where we live. Thank you very much. Also in studio, Beatrice Gutierrez, Executive Director of the Department of Economic and Community Development's Office of Business Development. Beatrice, welcome here to the show. Thank you for having me. And on the phone with us is Kobe Benita. He's CEO of Nervo Matrix Corporation, U.S. headquarters. Kobe, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning. So I'll start off with Brad first. Um, you know, why we were interested in doing this show is we heard about this grassroots effort uh, to attract international businesses here. And I believe you were part of that initiative. Tell us about that. Sure. Thanks. The, this started almost about six years ago uh, as an effort of the Jewish Community Relations Council, which is a part of the Jewish Federation of Greater Hartford. Uh, the J- Jewish Federation of Greater Hartford is really a central convening organization and agency uh, for the Jewish community in Hartford. And the JCRC was looking for a way to highlight the tremendous growth of high-tech companies and innovation in Israel. Uh, and so they – it's also uh, coincided with Dan Senor's book that came out around the same time called Startup Nation, which explored why Israel is such a hotbed of innovation, especially technology and uh, other high-tech uh, companies. And so the JCRC partnered with the Metro Hartford Alliance uh, because we knew – that this could be and should be not only a community effort, but also a business development potential as well. Talk about Israel as a startup, a place where there's a hotbed of tech companies and others. You know, why is that? Well, if you read Dan Senor's book, he really explored a number of different uh, ways or reasons for that. Uh, one of them that he highlights is actually their military service uh, and requirement in Israel that everyone in Israel has to join the military. It's uh, required. And the way the military works there is they give a lot of uh, authority to the lower ranks. And, uh, and so therefore, there's a lot of innovation that even starts at that young age uh, in Israel, you know, 18, 19-year-olds that have to make decisions uh, on, as they go along. And that really flows through to, through the whole uh, economy and the whole culture in Israel. So this initiative started, like you said, about uh, six years ago. Um, what have you seen happen over that time? Well, when we came up with the idea, we decided to have a Connecticut-Israel Technology Summit. Uh, And this was really an idea to matchmake Connecticut companies and Israeli companies. 
Uh, and we had this first technology summit. We really were unsure how it was going to go. Uh, we ended up having almost 100 people show up at this summit, so we figured we had some really good idea. Um, we had ended up having two more summits uh, for a yearly after that. By the third one, we had over 200 people showing up. And that's really when the state started taking notice and said, you know, we can help this effort, and not only with matchmaking, but also attracting companies to uh, Connecticut. So it's a good time to bring Beatrice into the conversation. So the state heard about uh, what Brad and, and his partners were doing. So how do you get Israeli companies interested in, in coming to expand their businesses here in Connecticut? Well, you know, as Brad said, uh, we've been part of uh, this effort as part of the IBC uh, which is the International Business Council, part of Metro Hartford Alliance. And in that effort, we had, you know, seen this this need to really support a community effort on trying to do this. It's a really good match for Connecticut because Connecticut has a, a strong focus on biotech. And that is an area where Israel is one of the lead uh, generators of IP. So, and, and, and part of that comes from our leading institutions. We have great research institutions, Yale and UConn, that help us uh, create that kind of ecosystem for this type of companies. So what we decided to do is to really partner with them and, and have them take the lead. And our support has been... Uh, more uh, coordinating uh, some of those efforts, uh, like a mission to Israel uh, two years ago, in 2000, three years ago, in 2013. Um, we facilitated uh, uh, an agreement, an MOU, with ITTN uh, in Israel, which is the leading umbrella for uh, tech transfer from Israel that encompasses some of the uh, key institutions like Technion and Weizmann Institute, and, and, and providing that framework that of cooperation uh, between Israel and the state. Uh, another area that we have partnered is we have partnered with CERC, uh, Connecticut Economic Research Center, uh, to really uh, look for ways to put up, up the word of Connecticut there, to elevate the image of the state in Israel. And with that, uh, we have a focus, very direct recruitment efforts uh, in the area. And we're, you know, it's a slow process, but we're seeing some results now. We're going to hear from Cirque later in the show, but I wanted to go to Kobe, who's on the phone, um, Kobe Benita, who's CEO of Nervo Matrix Corporation. So you're one of these companies, uh, I believe, based in Israel that has now expanded here? Yes, absolutely. Nervo Matrix is an Israeli uh, medical device company. We have developed a unique back pain treatment device named Soliv, uh, which uses uh, low-frequency, dense electrical stimulation for back pain sufferers. Tell me more about, you know, why an uh, Israeli company would want to expand in Connecticut. What was the pitch that, that sold you on this state? Well, uh, it is obvious that the U.S. market is the most important and the most significant market for us anyway, for the Salif system. So a little over a year ago, while we were working on the marketing plan for the U.S., part of that plan was to start the direct operations in the U.S., it was quite a coincidence, uh, to be honest, that the DECD program was brought to our attention shortly after we made that decision. And since that we have aimed for opening the direct operation in the northeast region of the U.S., Connecticut was a perfect fit. Um, our office at UConn in Farmington is located right in the middle between Boston and New York, making the commute to either city uh, more accessible and painless. So for us, it was a natural decision. It was a perfect fit. 
That's interesting you say that, Kobe, because when uh, a lot of times in Connecticut residents see themselves as it's a disadvantage to be uh, in between, you know, say New York and Boston, but you saw this as a, a good location. Why? Because it makes the commute to Boston and New York uh, an hour and a half away. Also, Bradley, having Bradley only 20 minutes away from our office um, for domestic flying is painless, is much quicker than going to JFK or to uh, Boston Airport. So I think that it is more convenient for a smaller company uh, to be located right here in, um, in Connecticut. And I think the cost of living as well, when you relocate with your family, that is a factor as well. The cost of living here in Connecticut at the moment is less than in New York or in, in uh, Massachusetts. So I think it's an advantage. Now, Kobe, I understand you just moved here with your family. So these were all things that you were looking at uh, before uh, making the decision to, to come to Connecticut? Yes, absolutely. And Brad, can you walk us through, uh, so this is uh, one of the success stories, uh, Nervo Matrix again coming here to expand um, their U.S. headquarters here. But, um, you know, what are some of the questions you get from people about what are the benefits to Connecticut? Because obviously people, whether they see it in their news feed or they know people um, who say, oh, well, Connecticut's not business friendly. I mean, obviously you have to uh, work up against that, that reputation. So how do you do that? Well, from our perspective, we're really looking at the community and how the community can, can assist these companies. And that's really a differentiator for us from other states. Uh, we actually go and, and meet with these companies and we ask them, what can we do as a community to make that transition better for you? So in the case of, of Kobe, for example, when he came here, uh, we showed him the different communities in Connecticut from Stamford area all the way to the Hartford, New London, wherever they're looking to, to go in Connecticut, we try and help them figure out where's the best place in Connecticut uh, for them to go. Um, we also show them and help them find a house. Um, we help them understand what the school systems are like here. So whether they want to send their ch- children to magnet schools, parochial schools, public schools, um, what are the different institutions in the community that, that could support them um, once they're here. Uh, you know, in Kobe's case, for example, uh, one of his daughters, and ho- I hope, Kobe, you don't mind me talking about this a little bit. No. Uh, one, of, one of his daughters, for example, is very into dance. So he said, where's a, a dance studio that my daughter can, can uh, continue to take dance lessons? These are things that we can do as a community to help these companies come here that's very different that you don't see other states doing. And when I, I think when someone's coming from another country like that, it's, it's a daunting task. Um, you know, Kobe obviously speaks very good English, but there's, uh, you know, not everyone in his family does. So to have this support within the community, I think is very important. But when you hear, when people say, what about the, the tax climate in Connecticut? I mean, what do you tell them when they, when they ask you that question? You know, that's, that's, not, that's not something we can control. That's not something the community uh, can control here in Connecticut. I, I'm not at the legislature. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not trying to change the tax structure of the federal, you know, the federal business tax structure or the Connecticut business tax structure. We're here to try and, and help them in other ways. Um, and, and we really leave those issues about how to attract the companies here financially really to Beatrice and Cirque and, and that team. So Beatrice, you again work for the Department of Economic and Community Development, a state agency. So when you hear from businesses, what about the tax climate in Connecticut? Why should I move here? What do you tell them? Well, 
Uh, what we, we talk about is that uh, while we do understand there's some challenges, uh, and we work very closely with our legislators on that, uh, there are a lot of opportunities. This state uh, compares very similarly to other states in the region. And when you're talking to a foreign company, you'll be surprised how much these companies don't consider this their first barrier to entry to market. What they're looking for is how can you help me, for example, uh, accessing uh, different places, local communities, federal resources. And one thing we have, for example, is um, we have an advancement uh, position in our department to try to help local companies and foreign companies with that. How do you get a permit? How do you work with a local community? How do you work with federal agencies? Uh, so so they, they, when they're looking at wh- how do I invest, where do I go, the companies are looking for things that really help their bottom line. And one thing that they look for, for example, is access to a productive workforce. Connecticut has one of the most productive workforces in the United States, actually top. Uh, educated uh, people, access to universities. So coming, you know, as much as, you know, we understand it's a difficult situation right now and and there's a lot of concerns, you'll be surprised how as a global level, when companies are looking to make an investment, they're looking for places where they can really get and maximize their dollar. Workforce, stable climate, and then uh, quality of life, uh, like Brad was saying, that's one thing that is very, very important uh, to a company, particularly the mid-sized companies. They're moving a family, so they want to find a place where they have good schools and good quality of life, and Connecticut offers that. Do you offer um, tax incentives for these smaller international companies like when, Nervomatrix coming When in? appropriate, but in the case of Nervomatrix, we did uh, put together an incentive, financial incentive package. And in that case, was not tax. It was more financial incentive uh, in a loan and a grant. And that is a program that is not preferential to international companies. It's part of our normal program and is based on what we feel is the return of investment of that capital of that investment to the state, to the taxpayer. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're exploring an initiative that started at a grassroots level. The state's now helping to, to get to lure international companies here to help them expand in the U.S. and in Connecticut being a, a place that they say it makes sense. If you have a question or comment, 860-275-7266. Again, 860-275-7266. I wanted to go back to Kobe Benita, again, CEO of Nervo Matrix Corporation, just moved, uh, I believe, to the Farmington or West Hartford area from Israel. Uh, Kobe, when uh, you heard about the incentive package, I mean, what what do you have to have in return for Connecticut in terms of um, relocating your or expanding here? Well, first of all, I'd like to start by agreeing with Brad and Beatrice about the importance of having the community support uh, for moving here to Connecticut. We're not just moving a business, we're moving families. And as a family, uh, as a father to two um, daughters who are going to Sedgwick School in West Hartford and to a wife that never lived in the U.S., having this support is extremely important to make a move here to the U.S. So I think the CERC organization, the DECD, and Brad, and the Jewish community in uh, West Hartford and in Connecticut are extremely wonderful, and we, we, we thank everybody for their continuous support. Um, now, the question was, why moving to Farmington? Well, I was curious, uh, beyond just moving to the area because of quality of life and, and the location, um, in terms of what kind of incentive the state gives Nervo Matrix to come here? 
Well, as Beatrice said, we have received a package that includes a loan and a grant, including um, an investment that was made by Connecticut Innovations, and that actually gave us the startup funds to start an office and start a direct operation here in the U.S. And since Nervomatrix is a is a company that has uh, is gone beyond development and research, we have a system that we are currently selling. We have FDA approval, so our effort now is going to be concentrating in appointing reps across the U.S. to represent Nervomatrix in key territories to sell our equipment. That's what we are concentrating on, and that funds and those funds that have been given to us are going to do exactly that. Are you obligated to create a certain amount of jobs here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in our contract, we're obligated to employ six employees within a year and a half. And again, you just moved here, so um, you've got your work cut out for you, or are you, uh, are you set for reaching that goal? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole plan. We want to succeed. We want to sell more systems and help pain sufferers, back pain sufferers across the nation. By doing that, we're going to, we're going to uh, install more and more systems, having revenues and uh, needing to, to hire more people to work for us, salespeople, service people, engineers, staff, supporting, marketing, sales, all of that. Absolutely. And uh, Brad Monshine, again, uh, one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative. So, again, we're focusing on Nervomatrix. Uh, we're happy that Kobe was able to join us. But what are some of the other success stories from Israel, again, expanding here to Connecticut? Well, we now have uh, six companies that are here in Connecticut uh, that are Israeli companies. Um, the most recent are, are um, Kobe, obviously, who just came here about a month or two ago. Um, before that, there's a company uh, in Guilford that does hydroponic uh, lettuce growing, a very interesting technology. Uh, they uh, um, are in Guilford and, and a, at a right off Route 1. Uh, you'll actually see a sign for them, H2O Farm. You can buy their lettuce uh, in your local, some of your local grocery stores. Um, and they grow, uh, and, and it's a very high technology uh, manufacturing, that, that, as they call it, the manufacturing of lettuce. Uh, and they grow all year round, and it's local. Right now, most of our lettuce comes from the West Coast, um, and uh, this is really uh, an, an exciting opportunity for, uh, for them to expand here in the U.S. This is their first operation in the United States. Um, they've actually tried to um, start operations in other parts of the country before this um, that were not successful. Um, and then they came here and, uh, and to, to Connecticut, and because of the efforts of both the state and the community, um, they've, uh, they've found success, and they're actually looking now to expand. So uh, it's, it's a great story. So six companies so far, from Nervomatrix to something like a hydroponic company. So very, a lot of diversity. There really is a lot of diversity. This, it's not one, it's not one, uh, one fits all. Um, and the, the companies that are coming here, though, are finding uh, their own way, their own, their own place. Uh, Connecticut itself is a very diverse workforce. We have diverse communities. And, um, and they're finding a lot of success. And, Kobe, before we go to break, if listeners want to hear more about Nervomatrix, where can they go online? I'm sorry? I, I couldn't... Uh, if our listeners want to learn more about your company, where can they go online? They can go to www.nervomatrix.com. Well, I want to thank Kobe Benita, a new Connecticut resident. Welcome to the state and CEO of Nervomatrix Corporation. He relocated from Israel recently to head up the U.S. headquarters. Thank you, Kobe. 
Thank you. Attorney Brad Monshine is here with us, partner at Pullman and Comley, and one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative, and Beatrice Gutierrez from the State Department of Economic and Community Development. They'll remain here because after the break, we're going to learn more about the state of Connecticut's efforts to attract international businesses to the state. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. It's been a big news week for Connecticut Governor Dana Malloy and the defense industry here. Both Pratt & Whitney and East Hartford and Sikorsky and Stratford have plans to stay in Connecticut and grow more jobs thanks to state incentive packages. But it's not the state's role just to keep big corporations happy. The state's involved in efforts to attract smaller companies to do business here, too. But how challenging is that? Does Connecticut's cost of living compared to other state, states rather make it challenging to lure businesses here? Or is being smack in between New York City and Boston an advantage for the state? Joining us now to help answer those questions is Jason Giulietti, Vice President of Business Recruitment at the Connecticut Economic Resource Center, or CERC. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, Beatrice is here from the State Department of Economic and Community Development, or DECD, and you're here from CERC. Tell us what the differences are. Sure. So, uh, yeah, this is the team, uh, among others, but uh, thank you again for having me. So CERC is a private nonprofit organization. Uh, We've been around 20-plus years to really help work on the state's behalf to do many things that um, make it easier, essentially. So the recruitment process is one of those. Uh, We also work with our local towns as well as uh, have a pretty robust research area. So we really are the nonprofit kind of extension of the agency, you can call it. Uh, But we do work collaboratively. We work with the team. We work with the private sector, the nonprofit sector, and obviously the state in all efforts to really grow Connecticut's economy. So are you the guy that's going overseas to other countries to pitch Connecticut? I am everywhere. I will tell you, uh, in response to what you hear out there, we are we are aggressively working to help, you know, grow Connecticut's economy. And that often requires us to uh, to be in places and be in front of people that can help uh, grow the economy and, and really stimulate this business interest that you hear all about. We were focusing on Israel the last segment. Tell us some other places where Connecticut has feelers. So we are looking a lot right now South America. We, we have some opportunities there where we see essentially you know, economies that are struggling a little bit that have prompted people to look beyond their markets. And uh, it's kind of a strategy we have. We kind of look and say, you know, what what industries can we align with? So, you know, we have a very strong aerospace industry here in Connecticut, shipbuilding, and the medical device and biotech area, as Beatrice had highlighted earlier, really helps uh, attract companies because there's such natural partnerships here. So we've looked there. We've looked uh, other parts of the world and kind of said, you know, where can we find strong concentrations of companies that would benefit being around the Sikorskis, the UTCs, the electric boats of the world. So we've really focused our efforts to align with those industries. I wanted to read a tweet we just got from a listener. Uh, he writes, Cambridge is where the action is. Connecticut cop between mass brains and New York City money. <laughs> You haven't heard this. It's not like this is new to you that people have this this impression. This this impression is in, ingrained in Connecticut, and I think it's kind of a New England thing, quite honestly, <laughs> uh, and uh, isolated to Connecticut. But I'll tell you, internationally, we're finding they, it's above and beyond all of that. They look at us much more strategically at a level where New York and Boston is such assets. And if you are located here, like Kobe said, it's lower cost. And alluded to some of the concierge service, which is one of the things that CERC provides, is really allowing companies to – we handhold them every step of that process uh, through welcoming them to Connecticut to ultimately helping them find a home, helping them find daycare for the children. I mean we'll do everything we can to showcase why Connecticut 
And in those cases, yes, they're hotbeds, but we are hotbeds as well. And, and we have things like the Aerospace Alley that are unique in the country. And leveraging those assets to these companies really has been a great selling point. So say I'm Brazilian and I have a biotech firm and you come to my office. What's the pitch? So the pitch is some of what you described. A lot of it is, you know, location, uh, because one of the things we have to do is tell them where Connecticut is on that map, because they do know New York and they do know Boston. But we, we come to them with, as Beatrice mentioned, the workforce. We have a highly educated workforce, I think the best in the country. Couple that with really high productivity numbers, and then the ecosystem of support, that concierge service, that differentiator that Connecticut has to offer, will literally put companies in front of those large uh, original equipment manufacturers like the Sikorsky, like the UTC, and will put them in front of potential customers so they can see the value and the immediacy of creating a business relationship. So the company here in Connecticut wins and the international company wins. You marry the two together, you have increased growth in the economy. That's sort of what the special sauce is, and that's sort of how we're combating what you hear everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So when I share that with a Brazilian company, that we can put that in front of them and put that together, they're, they're sold. There's no question about it. We could take care of it from there. And, uh, and the success of the program has demonstrated sort of uh, what, what's working with us. When you say the success, so we heard earlier um, from Brad, who is one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative, um, they've been able to um, have at least six companies expand here in Connecticut. When you're talking about success, um, give us some numbers. What do you mean? So I, we've had, uh, I would tell you, 50, 60 companies actually visit Connecticut over the last year. So we've seen uh, a lot of companies here come touch feel Connecticut. Uh, so a lot of those companies are here. A lot of them are working and, and exploring the opportunity of coming to Connecticut. So right now we're in process of talking to many of them that are going through the process similar to what Kobe has uh, in Nervo Matrix. And the nice part is all of them are feeling that same experience. They're not looking at Connecticut as often viewed elsewhere in the country as a hard place to do business. They're seeing how easy it is to do business here. And the state's been incredibly supportive. The private sector, I can't speak highly enough of in terms of their collaborative uh, efforts to help us. CEOs, when you reach out, are more than willing to sit down with these companies and in many cases create opportunity, create collaboration. Uh, it's been very helpful and the ecosystem, whether it's in Stanford to Hartford, uh, everybody has been a partner in this effort. And I think that really speaks to why Connecticut has differentiated ourselves compared to other states. I wanted to go back to uh, Beatrice again, Executive Director of DECD's Office of Business Development. You know, just to have you explain a little bit more, you know, we, we, we see the latest poll, uh, I think it was CNBC, that has Connecticut rated as one of the, the least friendly um, states for businesses. We hear from lawmakers uh, during the session that, oh, we need to make uh, the state more business friendly, help small businesses uh, with things like cost of electricity, for, like what are ways to help with expenses? I mean, I mean, what, what can DECD do to change the reputation that Connecticut has? Well, the reputation, you know, we got to recognize it's a tough one right now. And uh, it's going to take a while and a lot of effort, of combined effort, not only uh, from, um, you know, our agency, but working with our legislator, working with our local communities to really work on the issues that affect that affected uh, our companies. But one thing that we have done in the last years that is very successful is the Small Business Express program. And the Small Business Express program just reached 1,600 um, applications, successful applications and funded projects, uh, putting out there $251 million for our small companies. These are companies that are less than 100 employees and uh, that are in all 
aims of work in all the types of life. Traditionally, uh, we had focused in manufacturing in larger companies, and uh, we had to recognize that we had to have something in there for our local companies. Those little guys are going out there and you know opening their doors every day. So through that program, uh, we have created, uh, helped create uh, 6,300 jobs and retain in the state more than 17,000 jobs. So uh, while there's a lot of work to be done, and we're very conscious that we are working you know, very closely with our legislators on trying to address the, the bigger issues, the, the stru uh, structural issues, uh, you've got to help one at a time, too. And in doing that, this is one of the, the, the tools that we have uh, today we're committed to it uh, and, and work very closely with our companies. The other tool that I wanted to talk about is, uh, as we talk about the concierge, the concierge is really an extension of our ambassador program. And our ambassador program is our effort to visit every company in Connecticut and take the pulse of the business and try to figure ways to make those tools accessible to our local companies. So the concierge that uh, Jason spoke about and Brad talked about talks about the single point of contact and access and, and help. Our ambassadors, uh, which work in our department, have been chartered with going to each of these companies and, and really knocking on doors and saying, I'm here and I'm here to help you and to help you access uh, financial resources, to help you access tax credits, but also to connect you. To, to, to our ecosystem, and in that we work very closely with our local EDOs, economic development organizations, with our chambers of commerce, and with the community. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about efforts to attract international businesses, small to medium-sized companies here to Connecticut. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Uh, now, Beatrice, to do that work, and I know uh, Jason here is here from CERC, I mean, is there a consultant that you've hired that works in specific countries? We partner with CERC, and CERC manages those efforts. Okay, sure. Jason. Sure. So, so we uh, we have uh, relationships with with folks in different areas, uh, trying to help us identify those companies that can help us. So, um, we have partnerships everywhere, um, whether it's through business relationships or community or extensions of the Connecticut companies. Because often, what you find is if somebody's doing business in another part of the world, they have relationships with those companies, and often they want to be closer to those relationships. So, we a lot of times utilize the network here uh, just as much as formal relationships. So, you've been successful in getting some international companies here. Uh, how do you keep them here? So I think it's all about not stopping the service, right? So we provide the concierge service to get them here, and, uh, and it's worked very well, and it, it's, it's building to a whole other level of success. But at the same point, we don't stop the relationship. So at CERC, we have components similar. To, uh, we have a, a real estate practice that helps them find a location and partners them with local folks at the ground level, at the municipal level, that they're going to be, their home is going to be. So we keep that relationship all the way through, full circle, and we touch base with them. So Kobe, even though he's here, I continue to help support his efforts, whether it's helping him buy a car or it's helping him find another location uh, for his daughter's uh, school. I mean, this is the stuff we do. And these relationships, because we work so closely and so intimately with them, you get to know them on a personal level and you become personal friends just as much as business partners. And I think that's, uh, that's a unique ingredient because it really shows that we're very genuine in how we're doing it. So they know they can call us at any time and we'll continually be there to support their efforts. I wanted to turn to, uh, again, uh, Brad Monshine, one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative. Um, so you obviously don't work for the state. I mean, you're doing this because you want to see stronger communities. And, and so explain to me um, some of the, I guess, return that you're seeing. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is also where, where as, as your show is called, this is where we live. 
Um, and, you know, I have a family who is uh, growing up. Uh, I have children here who are growing up. I want them to have a state that they want to stay in, that they want to come back to that will have good jobs for them. Uh, and so that, that alone is, is incentive enough, I think, for many of us uh, to be involved in this effort. Uh, on top of that, you know, you, you, see, you see organizations like the Metro Hartford Alliance, um, and they really have jumped into this um, with both feet and, and are giving all the support that you would imagine the chamber can give um, and beyond. And, and they've really been a great partner as well. Um, and so th- it's these efforts that, um, that really make us uh, sometimes sit back and wonder how, how we ever got here. Um, we really started out as, as an idea. And, and an idea that has grown to be where it is. And, you know, we're really happy that our efforts with Israel has become a template for the state and for CERC. Um, and, and these efforts are continuing to grow. Uh, you know, I'm very involved as well with the Global Business Council for the Metro Hartford Alliance. And that's really also supporting, just like uh, uh, the Jewish Federation supported the Israeli companies, the Metro Hartford Alliance is, is supporting these companies, is supporting the companies that are coming from other countries as well. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's real estate, it's the business community, business connections, um, and those intangibles that aren't always measured by dollars. You can give these companies dollars, but frankly, every state has incentives. You know, Connecticut has to compete on that level, but it's the, it's the intangibles that we're, where we are really succeeding. I wanted to uh, piggyback off something that Brad said, uh, Beatrice, about, you know, we want our, our young people to want to stay in Connecticut um, and find good jobs. Uh, when you are looking to attract international companies here, I mean, obviously you want jobs that are high paying. Absolutely. That can then return back into our economy, which we know, you know, st- the state of Connecticut is in a budget crunch and we can't mm-hmm. tax our way out of the problem. So, I mean, can you talk about um, that effort to get more high paying jobs here? Absolutely. So one thing that, that, you know, I think is important to mention and maybe some of the listeners don't know is 7 percent of the jobs in Connecticut are funded by international companies. So it's a very important part of our economy. So more than 100,000 people work for international-based companies. And in that, uh, we know that um, of those, a third uh, are manufacturers. So 32,000 jobs are manufacturing-based. And, and, you know, our experience is manufacturing jobs are higher-paying jobs. And, uh, in, and there's a little piece that is really interesting that, well, the average manufacturing job in the United States, around 7,000 or so, uh, those same jobs, uh, when, when the employer is an international company, are around 80,000. So you have a premium when you work for an international company. So that's one piece that is very, very uh, close to our heart. In Connecticut, we have had uh, the, the wonderful experience to have a lot of German companies, for example, which you know were not mentioned as part of this initiative, but they're one of our largest tenants. More than 68 companies in Connecticut are of German um, ownership. Uh, UK is another investor, and they tend to be in manufacturing. So some of these companies, Trump, Eppendorf, Hunkel, they are the ones that are putting a lot of you know effort and a lot of uh, creating those great jobs. We just had a recent addition to our portfolio, which is uh, New England Air Force. Uh, owned by Pietro Rosa of Italy. This company in Farmington will create 100 jobs in the next five years, and uh, it is uh, they make airfoil for, for airspace. So when we're talking about these young people trying to look for these jobs, that's one of the efforts. Another area we had focus on is really working on our community um, 
colleges and uh, universities in really creating a pipeline uh, and trying to, to gather the feedback from these companies of what type of skills they are requiring. And uh, with that, we have made investment in, in the community colleges and in the technology stop, uh, in, in technology areas. Uh, so these jobs get created to retain our people. Because like Brad said, uh, here's where we live. You know, we want our children to stay here and find those jobs. You know, uh, uh, we get your point. And again, we're getting another tweet from a listener because I, my question being first, you know, does the state need to do a better job of getting this kind of information out? Because David tweets, what about large companies like GE and Bristol-Myers Squibb leaving? I'll let Jason from Cirque answer that. So, yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things we've been doing is really sort of organically letting this effort grow up. And, uh, you know, as we're finding real success with this as it continues to grow, I think a part of it is going to be messaging and part of it is going to be communicating this because you'd be amazed at how positive the, the attitude is among business owners. I mean, you're talking large scale business owners that have been involved in the process have really embraced this and said, this is amazing. This is great to have technology and innovation being infused into the Connecticut economy because uh, they're doing great things here. But when you can match that up with the next level of technology, quite honestly, from other countries uh, that can't necessarily deploy that into a large market, Bringing it, partnering with a Connecticut company will really catapult those companies to the level of a GE, to the level uh, that, that those folks are talking about. And that's really what our efforts are doing. So I think by as we see the success, as we get more embracing of the business community, the state will, I think, have a larger presence uh, across the state to combat those type of comments because there's so much going on, but it's under the radar. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Again, we're focusing part of the show on this approach that's been that started at the grassroots level. Again, trying to attract international companies to uh, expand here in the state. If you have a question or comment, eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. A tweet from our business reporter Harriet Jones, uh, Jason Gialetti, and I wanted to ask. You know, her tweet is: Is this effort as cost effective as supporting businesses that began here in Connecticut? I think it's a lot less uh, costly than, than people would imagine. We, we do it on a, on a very slim budget. Uh, but I think uh, adding all the features and dimensions we have by partnering with the private sector, by partnering with other resources like the Metro Hartford Alliance and other business associations in the state, you're able to leverage collective resources. So although, yes, there's a cost to it, it's minimal in comparison to the results that we're seeing and the type of investment that we're bringing here. So when you're bringing companies here, you're bringing that innovation, you're attracting that younger workforce, as you described, because they often are drawn to these high technology, high innovative companies, uh, as opposed to maybe the traditional, the business sector here. But when you can marry that up, that's when you're attracting the young folks. That's when you're getting more partnerships. And that's where you're seeing more growth. So I think it's definitely uh, well worth every penny. I want to thank Jason Giulietti, Vice President of Business Recruitment at the Connecticut Economic Resource Center, or CERC. Thank you for your time today, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Also, Attorney Brad Monshine, partner at Pullman and Comley, and one of the founders of the Connecticut Israel Technology Initiative. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. And Beatrice Gutierrez, Executive Director of the State Department of Economic and Community Development's Office of Business Development. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. When we come back, we'll hear about a global competition to attract international startups to Connecticut. Is it just as exciting as that hit show Shark Tank? We'll find out after the break.
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up Monday, it's debate season, and presidential candidates Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are preparing for their first showdown at Hofstra. On the next Where We Live, we'll discuss what voters could be watching for in this first presidential debate among Clinton and Trump. Plus, one immigrant's quest for the American dream right here in Connecticut. That's Monday. Some might recognize that as the theme song from ABC's hit reality series Shark Tank, where budding entrepreneurs try to convince successful business leaders to invest in their big idea. There's a global competition going on right now to attract international startups to Connecticut. To tell us more, we're joined now by Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn rather, Thames, director of CT Next and project leader for Venture Clash. Glenn, welcome to where we live. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to chat. Venture Clash, tell us about it. Great. So as you know, Connecticut Innovations is a quasi-state agency and one of the leading sources of financial and ongoing support for Connecticut innovative growing companies. So we are a sister agency to DECD, CERC, or what have you, but we really focus on the entrepreneur innovation um, part of our economy in the state. So Venture Clash is Connecticut's $5 million global venture challenge for early stage companies And this year, we focused on two industry verticals, digital health and financial technology. The challenge launched this past April in our inaugural year, and it will culminate in a finals event on October 20th at the Yale School of Management. So why focus on those particular sectors, I think, digital health and financial technology? Great question. So as you look at kind of Connecticut's core strength and our big corporate partners that we have in the state, we really looked, you know, from Fairfield County all the way to Hartford County and looking at where our core strength was. And we landed on digital health and fintech and particularly digital health with the advent of a biopharmaceutical and medical software industry really bubbling in New Haven, um, as well as the fintech piece of it. Um, where you have big corporates like Synchrony Financial in um, Connecticut, especially in the Fairfield County being known as the hedge fund capital, um, we thought those were really good natural fits for us to focus on this first year. So the challenge started in the spring. You know, how many applications have you received? Where are they coming from? Sure. So we got um, we had about a two and a half month campaign. Um, business recruitment campaign that was both domestic and international, and that yielded about 164 applications, and it represented 11 countries um, and the U.S., Um, so Hong Kong, Canada, the U.K., Israel, Israel, um, California, New York, Um, so it was really a wide spectrum that we were able to capture. And so what happens now with this one coming up in October? So, I mean, how did you, how did you I guess, like get these submissions down to, I guess, 10 remaining companies? Right, sure. So we had, um, we had our first round of application that we launched in April, and that first round closed early July. So from there, we culled down the list to about 30 companies who participated with a four-week modified accelerator that was led by a Westport, our Westport-based um, partner, the refinery, where they were really able to engage in the Connecticut ecosystem and become familiar, get um, strategic business support as far as their business model, but also start to build connections in Connecticut. So the transition, if they were to win an investment, 
would be a lot easier for them. You know, some people, when they hear the, the uh, I guess, the, the winning sum, $5 million, I mean, for a business that's starting up, I mean, how much will this help them? So it's important to note that the we're in the early stage business. So the early stage business has a, a, a big tent. So you have early, early um, stage companies that are the startup, I would say, on the earlier side of that spectrum. But you have companies who have really, you know, are growing, have gotten a significant amount of investment that are really ready to make that next move. So we've, you know, we opened the tent to a broad um, um, spectrum of companies, but we're really zoning in on those companies that are really um, ripe for an investment from us and that it makes sense for them. And why are these early stage companies interested in Connecticut beyond, you know, the fact that they could win some some capital? Totally. So, I mean, for us, you you from a early stage perspective, they they all need money, right? And they're looking for cash, but one of the things that sets our competition apart was the value add in really partnering with strategic corporate partners such as the Hartford Insurance Company, Webster Bank, Magellan Health, Medtronic. Um, and really um, setting up the opportunity for, yes, you may win, you know, upwards of $1.5 million in investment, but also the customer connection or the strategic partners that may be available through our corporate partners is so much more valuable to these companies. So that was really the appealing part of it outside of the money um, was really the potential to get in front of some corporate partners that could potentially be a customer or strategic partner for them. Tell us who the judges are going to be. Are they going to be as exciting as what we see on Shark Tank? <laughs> so um, I don't know if as brutal, but <laughs> definitely spirited. So we um, have solicited some really high-ranking um, industry VCs, um, Oak Investments, Athena Health representatives um, that will be a part of the judging panning. So these are, you know, highly subject matter experts um, regarding their particular industries and digital health and fintech. Um, So we hope that it will definitely be spirited. And what about in terms of what other states are doing? So, you know, we look to Mass and and New York State, you know, as competitors when we want to lure companies here. Um, Are they doing something similar? Great question. Um, So as we um, embarked on this process, we definitely did a lot of our due diligence and research and look at looked at what other states were doing. So you have 43 North, um, which is a Buffalo competition and was a part of um, Governor Cuomo's um, Buffalo Billion Initiative. And, you know, they do a similar um, competition. And then you have Accelerate Michigan, which is the state of Michigan's competition. And you have this Arch Grant program, which um, St. Louis, the city of St. Louis focuses on. So we really looked wide and deep at various kind of state-sponsored state recruiting competitions and took, you know, some pieces, but also made it our own. And I can't stress enough the um, the um, strategic part of what we're doing and engaging our corporate po- partners, as I mentioned earlier, with really ensuring that we can connect our companies to potential customers or strategic partners to run a pilot or to be a mentor to those companies once they're here. That is really the differentiator, and we did a lot of that research, um, and a lot of those competitions weren't necessarily offering that element. 
We're hearing today about Venture Clash, a challenge that will award uh, some startups, uh, early stage companies, for, with a prize pool totaling about $5 million. But there's also something called a Venture Camp. What was that, Glenn? So the Venture Camp is one of our, um, our partners in the ecosystem, the refinery, which is a woman-led and um, um, accelerator out of Westport, Westport, Connecticut. And we partnered with them to do this modified um, accelerator. It was a four-week program for the month of August. So our semifinalists went through a four-week um, virtual. Most of it was virtual um, business development, connection to investors and mentors, and really helping them refine their business model, and also, again, helping them meet people in the ecosystem um, in Connecticut. So their transition, if they do decide to move to Connecticut and they win a prize, it makes it a lot easier for them because they've already started to build some connections. Um, This was a tremendous value add, and we got so much great feedback from um, companies that went through it. And a lot of them, you know, had participated in other, you know, competitions and accelerators in other parts of the state in the world. And their feedback was really critical in just the um, high quality of it and the welcomeness of Connecticut and really understanding the unique assets and capabilities that Connecticut has to offer. I want to thank Glendalyn Thames, director of CT Next and project leader for Venture Clash. Venture Clash, after two rounds of judging, 10 companies will be invited to Yale October 20th to compete in person for prize pool totaling $5 million. Also, WNPR's Harriet Jones will be hosting a Q&A with the event's keynote. Scott Case, chief technology officer of Priceline.com. We'll have more information on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. Uh, Glendalyn Thames, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Jeff Tyson. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. WNPR's executive producer is Katie Tolarski. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. As always, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.